Hey listeners, quick note before you start this episode. Soraya, Chloe, and I recorded during the shutdown of COVID-19. So all of our children are home during our recording, and I hope that you won't mind and maybe enjoy the background noise of our beautiful children. Welcome to the Journey to Midwifery podcast. I'm your host, Amber Wilson, a doctor, nurse, midwife, turned podcast host. It is our job and passion as midwives to listen to everyone else's story, their journey, their birth story. Now it's our turn to share. So here I am asking these midwives, what's your story? Join me each episode to hear the journey, the passion, and the mission of midwives today. Well, I hope you all enjoy this special episode this week with two midwives from Wild Root Midwifery, Chloe Campbell and Soraya Rikiki. You'll hear that we jump right into their story. These two are friends, colleagues, and they share a passion for evidence-based midwifery, and they own and are entrepreneurs of their own home birth practice in New York. So enjoy the episode. We, I find myself telling the story often. And for both yeah. Soraya and I, our approach to midwifery, like our, the pathway we took began with becoming doulas. And for me, mm-hmm. what that, how I got to that point was I had my oldest kid here, who's now 11, when I was 24. And I had just, I'd met my husband in university at New York University on an exchange program. And then soon after I graduated, moved here and quickly ended up getting pregnant. And I come from Ireland. And in Ireland, when mm-hmm. you get pregnant, you just or you walk in the door of your closest clinic and the midwife's there. And, you know, you're you're good. You have all the options available to you within under the same umbrella of one system. You can give birth at a hospital birth center. Um, you can give birth at home. You can give birth on a labor and delivery ward with more facilities like epidurals, pain medication. So I just rolled in the door thinking it was similar. And I didn't realize how jarringly different it was until I was about 24 weeks pregnant. And I went in one day and the nurse in the OBGYN office I was at, which was like in Williamsburg, 10, you know, 10 minutes down the street from me. I was like, there's something wrong with your baby. And I like burst into tears and I was like, what's wrong with the baby? And she, they, on a sonogram, they had flagged a characteristic associated with Down syndrome and they mm. didn't do the quadratic screen test the last time I was in. So they couldn't cross reference and say, this is not an issue. And I think what had happened was they were really worried that I was going to sue them if it was an issue. So they did, because I was 24 weeks, you know, it was very different finding that out at 24 weeks and what options they would have, you know, considered to be available at that time but that you know there was nothing wrong with the baby there was just a week of anxiety waiting for that test result and I was it was the same week that the business of being born was on at the IFC which is a little independent movie theater in New York and I went there and my mind was blown and I was like I have to either connect with a home birth midwife here or go home <laughs> to go back to Ireland because this is not mm-hmm this is not going to work. Um, And even though that was an awful week, I think it was a really important experience to have because otherwise I don't think I would have known um, 
what kind of care is standard here for maternity care in, you know, Brooklyn hospital setting. Um, so, you know, I've, I connected with a midwife who was incredible and gave me excellent care and support. I had a long but doable first labor, like 30 something hours. And the day after my kid was born, I remember going back to Ina May Gaskin's spiritual midwifery book and, and saying like, I cannot stop reading this book just because I'm not pregnant anymore. doesn't mean this is not my thing right now. Um, yeah. And from there I became a doula um, and ended up practicing as a doula for about 10 years as I had my second kid and did prerequisites for midwifery school. I was home birth uh, assisting with a home birth practice. So I spent about five years on and off working for them and was at about 150 births as part of their practice um and then graduated from midwifery school and what is your education oh, credentials thank you so i am a certified <laughs> midwife so okay in the state of new york and five other states new jersey rhode island delaware missouri did i miss one soraya What's the other one that you can be a CM in? So a CM is a direct entry pathway to midwifery, but it is your, the training programs train you with nurses. So in Soraya and I, in our cohort, half of us had a bachelor in something else other than nursing, my bachelor's degrees in mm -hmm. drama and theater arts. And the other half had, had bachelors of nursing. Some had worked as a nurse, you know, some had worked on labor and delivery, some had worked in other disciplines and others had just done a bachelor's in nursing, but never worked in that field. Um, and then, you know, we were all taught an identical midwifery program with, with the exception mm -hmm. that the people who were certified midwives like Sarai and I took basic health skills, basic nursing skills. So like placing IVs and catheters and administering medications, stuff in which there is areas in which there are overlap between nursing and midwifery. We, we got extra classes in that. So those other people graduated with a CNN exactly. or any two graduates with CNN. Exactly. Oh, and their nursing program gave them their N and the midwifery program gave right. us all our N, our certified midwifery so I'm you know Soraya and I are licensed providers in New York State and we have prescriptive privileges like our CNM colleagues um we have the same yep. set of clinical information as our clinical colleagues Soraya and Chloe both attended SUNY Downstate University in Brooklyn New York which is a state Sorry. university it's you know for me I chose that university as my the only choice um they definitely bring in a more diverse cohort um, in all ways, um, socioeconomic, you know, um, people from different backgrounds. Um, and that's something I really liked and which is very different from some of the other nursing midwifery programs in our in our area. So that was something that appealed to me. Yeah. And it has this kind of interesting um thing that happens where because it's very affordable it's very competitive to get it get into so there's some really interesting yeah really interesting backgrounds and there's people who've experienced birth on labor and delivery awards as nurses and supported it that way and then there's also like this interesting little doula kind of enclave in our program too in which people had been to birth in a lot of out of hospital settings um 
but there is a lot of experience from a starting place. And, and, you know, I'd say probably, what would you say the average age in our program was, Soraya? Maybe 30 with some people in their early 20s and then some people in their uh, early 40s. So, yeah, that was that made it very interesting, too. Yeah, that Soraya, what brought you into midwifery? Yeah, so I feel like my experience is more um, like familial and less um, about the system. You know, Chloe was talking about her being from Ireland and coming to this healthcare system and being so jarring. Um, I kind of already knew about all that stuff being an American, um, but I, I I think I picked up spiritual midwifery when I was in high school, and <laughs> I just found it so interesting. I was really, really into the 60s era then, too, so it was just like something that really inspired me, and I also had a friend who eventually became a midwife, and she was really into it, too, and my sister, and I just feel like with the birth stories that we've that we were always told at home there was it was just everything was really natural no one got an epidural some birthed at home um it just felt like a no-brainer to me that that's how it was going to be for me I didn't have any fear around birth and if I needed pain medication I just felt like my body would be able to do it and you know I had other passions in my life um I pursued documentary filmmaking and edited for a while here in New York City, but um, I guess it was the birth of my first child and then definitely my second child where I was like, okay, I want to get into into birth work now. Um, I want to I want to pursue midwifery, and the best way for me to do it was to um, get some experience as a doula, as a birth doula. So I did that for many years before um, starting midwifery school. Um, and yeah, yeah. So it just, it was, that was the calling moment, I think, after I had my son. Um, Mm -hmm. but I think it was always kind of there in my, in my background of just, you know, knowing that my family, you know, my, my parents are immigrants and their families from back in their countries. Like it was just natural to give birth and to breastfeed. I used to see my aunts breastfeeding all the time and, yeah, it just felt like something that um, I was very drawn to. Chloe and Soraya, can you share why you chose direct entry midwifery? By the time I was going to school, I was in my early 30s, and spending an additional year in a nursing program to get a set of skills I was never actually going to practice with felt a little bit mm-hmm. like learning Latin, but really wanting to speak Spanish. Um, I mean, I think nursing skills are an excellent uh, tool set, and I think there's there's benefits that come with that, but there's also benefits from spending a long time as a doula that I feel has informed my midwifery practice in ways um, which I feel really grateful for. Um, seeing birth, you know, seeing the first couple hundred births I went to, I didn't have any clinical responsibility. And I think when you do have clinical responsibility, even when you're a student, even when you are taking care of somebody who's giving birth in a, in a hospital setting as a student and it's on you to make sure nothing goes wrong you tell all the things that could go wrong and then you have to make sure that they don't it's really different from having not having that responsibility and just talking to people and connecting with them and finding out who they are and what the birth means to them and how they see themselves coping and what they prefer and you know, preparing them for the fact that we really don't know how their birth is going to be and what what it's going to look like and what it's going to happen and just being there for the emotional and physical side um, to begin. And I feel like, 
I feel like with this, um, you know, when when I was looking into midwifery school, it was very confusing. Like it wasn't just like, oh, you have to be a nurse and then you have to, you know, and then you can go to midwifery school or something like that. There were so many. I didn't understand like all the state differences. Every state has a different mm-hmm. credential licensing process. Um, I like for me, I was much more drawn to the CPM. I really liked that model of learning, the apprenticeship model, and I really wanted to do that. And I felt like, why why can't I find any information about that here? And it was because CPMs are not recognized in New York State. So, um, yeah. That was going to be my next question is why you chose CM versus yeah, CPM. Yeah, that's why. That's, that's pretty mm-hmm. much why. Okay. Our only direct entry program is the CM. Um, so if you if but but what's different about the CPM and the CN and the CM is that the CM is much more like a CNM credentialing process. Mm-hmm. You know, you go it's pretty much like you go through medical school. Everything is based in the hospital. We have you know, the we have no out of hospital well, we have very little out of hospital experience during our training. Most of okay. our training is in the hospital. Um so that for me, I, I can't speak for Chloe, but for me, that's why I chose. I mean, I, I feel very strongly that midwifery is a discipline in and of itself and that it's not like you don't have to be a physician's assistant to be a physician. You know, like the, there's a, they're diff, they're diff, like nursing is a different discipline from midwifery. Um, and and I feel like there are definitely nursing skills that are great to have if you're a midwife or vice versa. But um, I just felt like I, you know, very strongly that I wanted to be a midwife. And in New York, I think it's possible, you know, it's possible to just be a midwife and have all the same privileges as a a nurse midwife. Mm -hmm. Now, did you go into this, both of you, this question's for both of you, um, knowing that you wanted to be an out-of-hospital provider? I, my pursuit of midwifery started with that knowing. And then in the years that I spent working with the home birth practice that I was working with, I had doubts. I was like, is this where I really uh, want to be? Uh, can I do this? Um, the intensity that comes up when you're at an out-of-hospital setting and an emergency, a real emergency presents itself is, you can't, I don't think you can imagine it until you're actually in it. And I had had enough home birth mm-hmm. experience to have those as part of it. So when I went into school, I was open. I was open to potentially uh, coming out and working in a hospital for a couple of years. And I was making considerations like, well, you know, we really need good midwives in hospitals to take care of communities um, that that's their, that you other, that don't necessarily seek out a home birth. Uh, I think we do have a diverse range of home birthers in New York, but it, there's people who are given birth with midwives in hospital who don't even know it exists. Um, having good midwives for them felt like an important consideration. Um, yeah. But as school progressed and as I spent more time in clinical rotations at hospitals, I just found that my skill set that I already had was so much more honed towards home, home birth and out of hospital birth settings. Um, so I kind of went through uh, like, what's the word? A wormhole. Of like maybe I won't do this, and then it came back into view again. Like I'm mm-hmm. actually doing this, and the midwives who I worked with for a long time um, 
got together with me uh, like a couple months prior to graduation and and really encouraged me to just go straight into home birth um and said you know that they were going to be supportive and they were interested in mentoring me so that was a real kind of turning point and I felt very right about doing it um and I mm-hmm. I, I am working at the Brooklyn Birthing Center at the moment the one one thing that I really wanted when I got out of school was um that I felt like I needed was IV placement, like placing IVs, because I knew I, I'd done it and I'd placed them in school as part of my education. And I placed them a couple of times in clinical settings, but um, I felt like I needed more of that. And at the, the Brooklyn Birthing Center, I got a whole bunch of that. So I feel really clear and confident mm. with that clinical skill. But birth feels like second nature. Birth and supporting supporting people through you know, first stage and second stage and prenatally and postpartum feels really um, second nature. I forgot the initial question. <laughs> Sorry. If, if okay. you answered it, I said, did you go into this knowing you were going to work home, home birth or out of hospital? Yeah, for me, I, um, I definitely went into it feeling like I wanted to work out of the hospital. As school went on, it just became more and more apparent how you know, how responsible we are for everything. And I think I got a little bit of cold feet at some point, but then something turned around, you know, during my clinical placements where I was just like, you know what, I really, I really don't feel like I'm providing the care that I actually want to provide my clients or my patients in a hospital Mm -hmm. setting. It just felt very quick, you know, not really getting to know anybody, very, you know, institutional, very clinical. And I just, I felt like I couldn't connect with them in the same way that I, that I had imagined. So um, by the end of my school training, it felt very clear to me that I wanted to go straight into home birth. So um, I'm going to ask how you two got together, but I wanted you to tell me real quick, how does SUNY Downs program work? Are you in the classroom? Is it mostly distance? You're in the classroom. Um, So it's a three, it's a three year program and they call it part time. But the first, the first, really the first year is like a fraction of the time when you're doing the teaching components and the research components of your master's. And in that year as well, you look at professional issues within midwifery. So it's kind of uh, like a political and social and like uh, assessment tools and interpretations of, of what your life as a midwife is going to be that, like and, and what you should think about. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're in like once a week and then you're doing a lot of remote learning and then the two the two final years are very intense they feel like full-time like you can't maintain a full-time or it's very hard to maintain a part-time job out of that although the nurses did because nurses are gung-ho like that right they figure it out they stay at home <laughs> working and then come into class um but the you know it's like nine to five you're in uh they front load you so you're like nine to five in the classroom for five or six weeks and then it flips and you're in clinical settings for five to six weeks then you have your exams and it works like that throughout the the two years and you go through the 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 summer semesters you're in both those years too yeah yeah that sounds yeah it's really intense and it's really hard on your families and you know I don't know why they call it part-time I, I can't I think because the fast the, the full-time is more like a year and a half or two years yeah. mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. and maybe it's how the credits like right. yeah. how many credits are per class yeah. or something yeah but I mean I think they they do the best they can with the resources that they have um compared to other programs we might have less kind of 
of the fancy resources, but um, they have a lot of um, connections in New York City with different hospitals and center. Mm-hmm. So it, you know, I think that they do the best they can in placing us. And they found your uh, just about they really ran into they ran into in our year and the year before us, they ran into a supreme shortage of clinical sites and they managed to get us all one. But some people's graduation was 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 pushed back because it was harder to get them. There's Mm -hmm. in New York City, some of the midwifery services that were classic providers of those sites, like Bellevue Hospital, for example, their lines are being like snipped, trimmed around the edges and their departments reduced. So they had less of a capacity to take people in before. Um, So yes, they found the sites, but it was hard for them. And I think it's getting harder. I think in terms of the... The clinical placements, I think SUNY Downstate is one of the only places that actually secures clinical sites for students. I think most of the other programs, you have to find them on your own, right? Um, or it depends. I know that Frontier, you have to find on your own, but there's a lot. Most of the brick and mortars will find your yeah. placement for you. I will, will, so SUNY Downstate, I don't think that they pay um for us, for our clinical placements, right, Soraya? Like, it's very, right. very, if any money is exchanged hands because it's a state university program, it's very little. So I think that kind of mm-hmm. made it kind of trickier for us. Yeah. 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 And Frontier, even though they have to find their own sites, okay. they yeah. do get paid. Yeah. yeah. So. Chloe <laughs> and I met on our, on our interview for Sydney Downstate. So we, you know, we, it's funny because our, our, our doula lives never crossed paths, which is weird because we're both pretty active yeah. doulas, but we had maybe very different circle of doula life. Um, and so we had never met or we had never heard of each other. And we met that that day at the interview. And I, I just remember being like, oh, my God, I'm not going to get in. You know, there's no way I'm going to get in. This is so competitive. But um, we both got in. And um, yeah, I think I, I think our friendship started there. And then um, I'm a lactation consultant and Chloe is a lactation counselor. And we just both have like a, a strong passion for lactation. And so I think we bonded on that too. We also um, have children very similar in age and, you know, same, you know, parenthood issues and <laughs> and lives um so I think we bonded with that too I, I was just telling yeah. Chloe I was just telling her that, that in our interview yeah and- so I I mean it became clear in the last semester right around the mid time the midwives who I was working with were did, like brought up presented the idea of starting a home birth practice post-graduation um I, I that's when Soraya and I started talking about if a partnership would work, and I think one of the qualities for me that I felt like this was a really good situation to get into is because I feel like I can hear myself think clinically clearly with Soraya. Like, I think both of us are mm-hmm. like more introverted, right, Soraya? You yeah, even yeah. more so than me. <laughs> me especially. You especially. Yeah. But I think it's... Um, I think it, being an introvert, I feel like sometimes I like quiet my voice over other people. Like I'll, I'll <laughs> listen to what other people are saying over my own. But with Soraya, I feel like I, I am really clear and able to think. And, and also if we haven't had very many disagreements, but if there is a disagreement, we're both interested in why, why it's there. And 
um, exploring that together rather than just trying to get one. Yeah. And because yeah. it's like getting married. I mean, I've said this a couple of times, but it is like yeah. getting married. It's kind of, you know, starting a business. We own a PLLC now. We started that up. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. What are the kids doing? Why? <laughs> what are they doing? Um, I'm going to deal with this noise in a minute. But, yeah, starting starting a PLLC was was huge for us. I mean, we're kind okay. of, like, financially interwoven now. Yeah, 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 yeah. And we have to learn how to communicate and, you know, make sure that, you know, each other's needs are met in terms of, you know, how we want to care for people and how we want to distribute distribute the money that we make you know so everything is definitely interconnected now so yeah yeah and was it super intimidating to just yes. start this business from scratch yeah it, yes it was super intimidating yeah. it was it was exciting for That's me funny. like I, I yeah I think Chloe definitely had more reservations about like just jumping into this and I felt mm-hmm. like we could do it and it was something that if we put our minds to, we would definitely be good at. And I think we've done a good job with yeah. it. Actually, I'm pretty proud of how we've gotten here in just a few months. So you're, yes. you're wild. That's right. That's the name. And how we launched in November away? and we had one. Okay. And, and we had, you know, what we were hoping to, what we were working towards is having two to three people a month and getting really invested and close with all the people that we work with and knowing them kind of like inside and out and going to all the births together to have two clinical sets of skills there. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had one late transfer in February, which was amazing. And it was, yeah. it was great. It, it, there were elements of it that we were kept on our toes clinically, but overall an aus- auspicious start, a four and a half hour labor with a primate. Um, yeah, right. Yeah, Good for her. For her. She's I feel so grateful for her and the connection that we all had. And then COVID happened, right? We had, we had clients kind of lined yeah. up, you know, two in June, two or three in June, two or three in July, August and September, November were trickling in. And then we found ourselves in this position mm-hmm. of everybody wanting a home birth and having a packed birth bag and being technically like operational functional and operational and then we booked we decided we would book births for April and May as well yeah so we just Mm -hmm. because of all the inquiries that we got during this COVID uh, nightmare everybody was fleeing the hospitals there was a, a point in New York City where um all of the private hospitals were saying that the partners weren't allowed to even be with them during the labor or the birth so mm-hmm. in that, since then it's been lifted, um, but, you know, just people really panicking and, and trying to find a way to, to feel safe and protected while they're in labor and, and giving birth to their child. Um, so we had to be, we had to think very closely about who we were going to take on for April and May because um, mm-hmm. we knew that there was all, that you know there was a bit of a panic and we wanted to support people but we also had to make sure like i said before um that the that that the people that we took on were prepared for home birth and they knew what that meant so we had people you know asking how we were going to do a vacuum extraction at at the home birth and 
And, you know, if you know anything about home birth, you know, those tools are not mm. available there. Right. So, yeah, yeah, it was it was heartbreaking, but also really um, educational for us because we spent a lot of time, many hours talking to people about what home birth was and educating Yeah, and the, there were people who had maybe had yeah. their first babies in a birth center setting and returned to their provider this time around and liked their provider and felt kind of um, set in their ways. But but now they, they were, that had changed for them and it didn't feel like a safe setting anymore. The risk of infection was there. Partners were limited. I don't know if you heard this, but but like, yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 you just talked about that sorry sorry i'm remembering um <laughs> so just for the listeners because when this airs right. we don't know where our status was going to be but that they were allowed from my yes. understanding you guys can clarify zero zero support. no partner no jewel zero and nothing. if you had any sort of temperature during labor they would separate the baby afterwards and they were testing i think they're still doing this um they're testing people for COVID, like doing a quick a test for COVID when people arrive at the door and it takes eight to 12 mm -hmm. hours to process that. And if you gave birth to your baby before your test result was back, they would separate you until they knew you were COVID negative, which I mean, oh, it's very wow. problematic. And it's we're in this state of affairs where we have these kind of underreactions that have gotten us into problems. And then, I mean, not allowing any birth support to me feels like an feels like an overreaction even though I have to uh, give some appreciation and understanding to healthcare workers who absolutely don't want to expose themselves and have a lack of personal pr pr protective equipment mm -hmm. I mean that's a huge that's an enormous factor as well but I mean right now the World Health yeah. Organization is not recommending separating infants from mothers to have known cases of COVID-19 like that's their recommendation but the CDC is saying separate yeah. them and I you yeah. know really if that was me having my baby I'd really want to be clear on what the reasons for that is because we know that breast milk has a protective effect um, when people have the flu for example you don't typically separate mums and babies here you use excellent hygiene and you rely on the fact that the baby has got some passive immunity from the antibodies happening in breast milk so yeah that's part of what's going on for people too so you your goal was two to three what are you taking on we're not with this pandemic? yeah that's a good question your... we're not oversaturating ourselves so we do have okay. four in april um and i believe three yeah. in may yes, right correct. chloe yeah. So, yeah, you know, we're, there's some home birth practices that take up to 10 births and yeah, we're not doing that. Yes. No, because we just started in November and we really want to be able to take care of the patients that we have and, and, and get to know them and, and, and individualized care for, for them. And also, you know, this is all new for us too. So yeah. it's just you two. Yeah. You two do all the things. So how do you split up the our load? strategy? That's What's that's your, an evolving what are you doing story. To do we that? have like yeah. I we have do you know bullet okay. journals? Have you heard of bullet journals? They have they're a way of kind of organizing no their executive function skills for people who are somewhat scattered. And what you do, what we've been doing is we have a, a shared document that's a to-do list and updating it 
updating it with everything that needs to get done and doing some office hours in the morning and in the afternoon and going through the stuff going going through like just dividing and conquering that way um and because I mean four people a month Mm -hmm. isn't um an insurmountable amount of administrative work for two people so we're finding that we're staying on top of it and getting through it I think you know at one point maybe down the line when we two like when we're two years in or so we might incorporate an assistant and have them kind of take on that as we Mm -hmm. increase our client load and take on more births but for now we're just day-to-day staying on top of each thing that needs to be done as it needs to be done and dividing that labor between us in the morning and in the evening to make sure that we catch everything yeah and in our community most partnerships do separate like in terms of birth they will go on their own and bring an assistant with them so for us we're not doing Mm -hmm. that for the first couple of years because we really want to you know to lean on each other and and have two clinical people in the same place for for all of our patients which i think is a benefit for them too um so yeah in terms of the birth i mean the administrative administrative stuff is definitely you know 50 50 in terms of the birth uh we haven't like decided oh you know you're gonna catch this baby that person's gonna catch that baby no um i think that's just gonna be more fluid i mean our our first birth we did decide who was going to catch it but i don't know how we're going to do that moving forward i don't know if you have any ideas (laughs) (laughs) now do you both show up at the same time does one go ahead of time maybe when mama's in you know earlier labor and then the other i think that we would do like the birth that we went to already it was very clear that the person that we had was active like active and we both went because it it seemed appropriate but if Mm -hmm. somebody was kind of in an earlier longer drawn out process that was taking a while and one was one of us was going over to check in first we might take that approach depending on on the person and the time and and, um, what's coming up yeah yeah Mm mm-hmm and how are you doing your OB visits? So that's interesting because now it has changed with all of the COVID stuff. So typically we were just mm-hmm. going together to every prenatal visit and um, most po- postpartum visits. So something that Chloe and I do that is a little bit different is we do more postpartum visits. We don't just do like that six week visit or, well, you, usually mm-hmm. they do a, a, a day two visit and then maybe um, another one, and then maybe a six-week visit. Um, so we're doing more than that. So we split that up even before the COVID, um, just because it felt okay to do that. Um, but um, now with all this COVID stuff, what we're doing is we're doing telemedicine visits for the first part of our mm-hmm. visit. So, you know, a good like 45 minutes of talking with the with the families and then one of us will go out and, and, you know, do a check with the family. So um, if they need their, their GCT glucose test, well, you know, one of us will go out and draw blood for, or um, if they need their GBS swab, then, you know, we'll go out and draw blood for that. But we're limiting our time with them to about 10 to 15 minutes because that's what research has shown us that, you know, we're, we're less likely to, to, to um to transmit disease and for, for to contract disease within that period yeah. mm-hmm. 
So outside, obviously, right, yes. right now, is that your norm is yes. to go to people's houses? Yes, and I, I really yeah. miss okay. that we can't do that. Like, I don't like it because part of building the relationship that we want to have is being with people in their house. And yeah. 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 That's so neat yeah. and so personal. Yeah. And I think in that environment, <laughs> people tell you a different story about themselves verbally they are in an environment that they feel most comfortable in so so yeah 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 and you learn a lot about them being in you know about their the way they live their lives you know being in that environment so there has there has been in the community some um, midwives moving more towards office spaces for a bunch of their visits and Chloe and I just feel like we're not we don't feel like we should do that yet because it just feels so nice to be in people's homes and give them that care and that space yeah yes are you doing <laughs> we a are doing of a ton of driving <laughs> yeah i mean it's interesting the way that you can kind of line clients up for visits on days that you're in their neighborhood you know we have a couple of people like bundled together in mm -hmm. ridgewood and bushwick we have a couple of people bundled together crown heights bedside so if we're seeing them if we know we need to do a visit with them, we'll try and coordinate it so it's on the same day. Um, and I think, and when we, when we get to a place where we have more people in our practice, we'll each, we'll be doing the visits individually. But it's incredibly time consuming. It is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would think so. Um, so can I, do you feel sure. comfortable if I asked you financial questions? Okay. Um, so questions about, I know you're new, so maybe you don't have the answer yet, but what you're able to take home and then what your rate is for birth, your, your whole plan, basically your package. And do yeah. you guys yeah. take insurance? So, you know, so all the New York city home birth midwives are considered out of network providers. So none of the insurance companies, um, we're not in network with them, but we all work with billers. And, and what happens is the biller um, um, tries to get authorization codes for an in-network exception or an out-of-network exception. So because there are no in-network home birth midwives, they have to partially you know, pay for an out-of-network service. So that looks different for every mm -hmm. single insurance company and every single policy. Um, but you know, it, there, there's typically coverage at, at, at some level. It could be full coverage. It could be over our minimum fee. It could be under that or no coverage at all. So it really depends on how the biller works with the client and negotiating all of that. And is the client um, handling that do or pay, you? No, the, our biller handles okay. it with the client. Yeah, so that's like a, a very complicated yeah. realm that we. Don't I wouldn't know what know. to do. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, it's very complicated. So that's why we we hired a, a biller, and most um, midwives in our or home birth midwives okay. in our area do that. Um, and but that that we do take Medicaid, like we do, you know. So Medicaid does pay for home birth, um, depending on what trimester you're in and all that. So it's not as if we only are getting people in one demographic that can afford yeah. our services. That's good. Um, and then, yeah. And then in terms of like how much we bill specifically, um, I think the, the, the there's a global mm -hmm. maternity fee that's like 
$15,000. Um, we never see that. Um, and I don't know how it all gets negotiated, but typically with private insurance, um, we'll see about $8,500. Mm -hmm. And with um, Medicaid, more like $4,500. Yeah, I don't know if you um, had anything to you, add to that. Are you able to pay yourselves at this point? We, we, I mean, <laughs> what did we pay ourselves? $500. Actually, I still need to do that. <laughs> we paid ourselves very little, but, but what we have been able to do with the deposits we've received so far is buy all of our equipment. Okay. Like m m there's been some out of pocket stuff that we've paid for, particularly in the beginning, like the website. And we did, we mm -hmm. paid for some artwork for a website that's out of pocket. Mm -hmm. um, but since about January, the medication we've had to buy, pitocin, methogen, ciprostol, um, our bags, our kit, that's kind of been covered by the income we have so far. But mm -hmm. I think we will be able to pay ourselves soon initially with the deposits and then, you know, a month to 60 days after the birth, the insurance mm -hmm. payouts should be coming through. Um, be able to... Yeah, so we don't see most of them. We require a deposit, um, like at the initial visit, but we don't see the insurance uh, money until way after mm -hmm. the baby's born. Yeah, so that that's kind of like a little bit of a waiting game, but we could pay ourselves now with the deposits that we've received for April. And do you feel like it's down the road as things get settled out? Mm -hmm. Do you feel like it's a pretty decent, sustainable income? I think so. I mean, well, you know, starting salary for a midwife here in the hospital, like the salary range for midwifery here in the hospital it's anywhere between $81,000 a year going up to like 120. Uh, some director positions are around 140,000. Does that, that sounds mm -hmm. right, Soraya, doesn't it? That's, that's a figure as I've heard. Uh, yeah, I think around. some, I think some, yeah. So yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. I think this year we'll, we'll probably make somewhere between 60 and $80,000 each. Okay. And then the years that follow as the practice is more built and established, I would hope that we can make more than that and also afford to pay like an assistant, something that makes yeah. it worth them worth their time working for us. Um, so I feel pretty, I, I feel like we're both pretty confident about. I think if you, it depends on the amount of births you take a month too. So if you're a practice that is taking eight to 10 birds a month, you're obviously going to make, you know, a good amount of money, but we both have yeah. children and children. And for us, I think balancing work and, you know, our family lives is going to be important too. So I think, I think I'm not sure we'll go all the way to that extreme, but probably more than four a month. Yeah. In the end. Cause yeah. right now with at two to three, I would imagine you have, some free time and it doesn't you know. feel like yeah, <laughs> maybe it probably does well, maybe because yeah. the kids are home but yeah yeah I think because the kids yeah. are home yeah. yeah yeah because we're homeschooling yes, now yes. too everyone's homeschooling <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. hopefully everyone that has listened loved this is the background music that we've had going on right exactly. I love that you reached out to me I have not had any CMs on you probably already know that so it's good to yeah. hear the yeah. pathway understand a little bit more being only five states you don't yeah i mean i honestly didn't really know too right. much and that you're educated right alongside with cnms it's the same thing yeah it's the same board exams we yeah. sit we all sit the same board exams 
Right. You're all through AMCB. Exactly. I didn't know that. Um, so it's like, why yes. is this not more everywhere? Right. Because I'm going to tell you right now, I haven't put an IV in since I've been a nurse. Well, I actually, when I worked home birth, I did. Yeah. But, so who cares? Right. Right. Yeah. Right. And it is, I mean, nursing programs, particularly in New York City, are really competitive. There's a lot of people who want to be nurses to be nurses and taking up a yeah. place in their program feels like getting in the way of that. If you if you don't already have a bachelor's, you know, we, you have to have a bachelor's in something. And I guess if you want right. to know that you're going to do midwifery, um, then you may as well do a bachelor's in nursing. Or, I mean, you could definitely do interesting bachelors in you know gender studies social sciences I think yeah. having those voices and perspectives and midwifery is it's huge we had um like a nutritionist yeah. in our class who oh, her would be so beneficial so beneficial and interesting so right yeah. I, I I know this but your bat remind me what your bachelor's is in it's social studies right yeah it's anthropology, it's anthropology right? and and, yeah. and cinema studies so I did a lot of documentary film making and film editing but yeah I went to NYU for graduate school and did a competitive program culture and media program there and yeah I think I I, I wouldn't change it you know like I wouldn't I, I don't regret not having a nursing background you know I feel like that definitely made it definitely made my midwifery experience yeah. much richer and you know understand it in a, in a human way um but yeah, I, I think, yeah, the CM is really, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, even our faculty um, members are just like lament all the time. Like, you know, will this ever happen in our lifetime? Will we ever see CMs throughout the United States? And it just doesn't look like it's, it's going to yeah. get that, you know, it's going to go there because it's been around for actually a while. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Sarai, do you have anything that we can watch that's out there, like on Netflix? Um, no, no. <laughs> no. And towards the end of my documentary stuff, I was working on like, you know, um, just like bad uh, cable television documentary, oh, yeah. you know what I mean? Like the, the good, the good projects were just didn't pay well or just didn't come as often. And, you know, it'd be fun if you but, could yeah. take your skills at some point and integrate it in what you're doing and get out more. And, you know, these, like the business yeah, of being born, like, something like that. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, it is a whole other profession, yeah, you yeah. know, and a lot of work. Yeah. I've always thought of that, like in a more in, in an advocacy type of way. Right. Yeah. yeah. I don't know how you would mm -hmm. do that and be a midwife right. someday, but I'm sure you'll figure that out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the two of you have gotten so much achieved. I bet you could do it. <laughs> We are ambitious yeah. about So it. we'll wait for that. I can't wait to hear that or see yeah. that. I mean, me too. <laughs> <laughs> um, so share where people can find you, especially yeah. in what area, so we're, specifically we're what do you serve? And we love that. We have people right now okay. in Staten Island and Queens and Brooklyn, Manhattan so, and the Bronx and the Bronx. We're all five boroughs. And on Instagram, we are Wild Root Midwives. Uh, on Facebook, we're Wild Root Midwifery. And our website is wildrootmidwifery.com. Okay. And how far is that um, area for you guys? It's probably, like, is it within an hour? Like, I mean, most of our people, it depends with traffic or not, right? The, the right, furthest yeah. stretches we, I mean, I can get to, I'm in South Brooklyn. I can get to the Bronx in 35, 40 minutes with no traffic. With traffic, it can be like an hour and a half. 
Um, mm. And I'm, I feel like I'm more yeah. centrally located. Mm-hmm. I'm in the East Village in Manhattan. But so everything feels like about 20 to 30 minutes away. Okay. That's not terrible. Yeah. No, it's not terrible, but it's true. If you're, if you're in trouble. If you're in traffic, it's harder, but we don't, I mean, we definitely are taking our cars a lot now, but sometimes we don't because we're just taking our prenatal bag or our postnatal bag. So it doesn't, we don't need to take the car. Um, With the births, it feels more like we need a car because of the birth bag. Yeah. So what do you take when you're just not going to a birth? Like the subway? uh, yeah, not at the, the moment. Subway, we're we're like in our cars at the moment no. because um, you know, yeah, vi- being vigilant about yeah. social distancing. But yeah, subway. Yeah, I have a bike. I bet that's that's my that's my thing that I love to oh, do yeah. on Instagram is post midwife on a bike. <laughs> oh, I love that. And a, mo- and a moped, and and also the yeah, had a little rental electric moped rentals. There was a midwife who worked here. She retired maybe five or six years ago called Tayoma and she used to get to birth on a little moped. Uh, That's such a good idea. Exactly. 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 And also to balance your birth bag on that. Yeah, I know. That's mainly for prenatal visits. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We used to have, when I worked on birth, we would give them a kit at like 37 Right. So we have that too. Do you do? Buy yeah, do that. Kit yeah. Cascade. They get like chucks and pads and peri bottles. Yeah. The, ba- the basics that they'd have for their home. Yeah. But yeah. we carry all the meds. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and the oxygen and all that stuff. Yeah. It would be difficult to have an oxygen tank on your moped. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it would. It definitely would. I would think so. Well, anyway, we've we've taken up an hour and we all have children that yeah. need us. So yeah. thanks, ladies. For Thank you, Amber. To me. It was such a pleasure yeah, to meet pleasure you. Meet you for too. Thanks us. for this yeah. podcast. It's brilliant. I love it. And thanks yeah. for having us on it. Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you would like to interview or know someone who does or encourage someone who has a great story or viewpoint to share, have them reach out to me. Easy to find. I'm in one place now. Journey to Midwifery Podcast at gmail.com. The email address is in the show notes and on the podcast page. But again, Journey to Midwifery Podcast at gmail.com. I can't wait to hear from you and share your story.